0: Wonderful to sing with you all. Got a question for you kids. Um, you, I mean, you're not kids, but the actual kids. Um, <laughs> most of you are older than I am. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So, kids younger than I am, what are some of the main characters of the Christmas story? Can you just shout them out? Mary and Joseph? Jesus? Wise men? Okay. Besides my kids. Good job, guys. You got any others? I'm sure you know them. We've got three kings. kings, Yep, or yeah, the wise men from the east. What's that? Did I hear one? Herod. Herod. Thanks, Trudy. Good. I'll take it. The angels. There's so many. I mean, it's just kind of a almost a character study going through the the different people in the Christmas story. You've got so many, Um, and it's such a compelling story. I mean, we we become so familiar with it that we might just gloss over it. And if for some reason you've never read the Christmas story, um, look it up. Read it. Uh, it's it's amazing. Matthew uh, chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2 are worth your time. Uh, read them. We we believe they're true. Uh, they are true. It recounts the one of the greatest events that's ever happened. And it's full of all these different characters. And I, I just want to spend a few moments thinking with you about Two of the the characters in the Christmas story, and you don't even know their names. Um, And we just read about them. They're from Luke chapter 2. It's the angels and the shepherds. You know how it goes. Linus quotes it. The shepherds are out keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel appears to them and says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then, in verse 13 of chapter 2 of Luke, suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Shepherds and angels... Key figures in the Christmas story, and I just want to ask two questions of this. Why angels and why shepherds? Why angels and why shepherds? I'm not asking you this time, sorry, but. <laughs> you might have a better answer than I do, but I'll try to answer it for you. It was rhetorical. Why the angels? Why are these characters even in the Christmas story? They hold a huge significance, and I hope that just thinking about it for a few moments will instruct your heart as to some of the significance of why Christ came. Before I address the question of why angels, I want to, I guess, ask another question. Maybe you've asked it before. I wonder if it's ever come up in your own heart. Because we live in a world that is decaying, a world that has a lot of pains, a lot of difficulties, a lot of strain On us, and it's not just our era and era of COVID. There's always problems. There's always trials and troubles. And one of the questions that might come from our heart would be, "God, won't you do something?" Has that question ever come into your heart, or some variation of it? God, won't you do something? You want some intervention. You want some solution to the predicament you find yourself in. You just know that. It's beyond you, and that's a good place to be. Maybe we could ask it cynically, like God, won't you do something? You're angry with Him, or you could ask it because you're humbled before Him. God, please do something. Could be a variety of ways that you ask it, but it's good in the sense to ask it because it divests you of any solution to whatever you might be facing. Frankly, I have very little hope in humanity. I don't know if you'd share that sentiment. Some people put a lot of hope in humanity, think that we're going to get better. I don't think that's the case. I think we've been given a lot of time to try to fix things, and we keep messing it up. And so I don't look to us to find solutions to our biggest problems. I don't look within, and I really don't even look without to other people to solutions to the biggest problems there are. We're too selfish too short-sighted? Consider there really to be any hope in and of ourselves to fix life's biggest problems. God, won't you do something is an important question for us to ask, especially in the face of things that are clearly insurmountable, like we're facing right now with a virus or tornadoes or hurricanes or whatever the natural disaster might be, apart from the human disasters of war or terrorism or just meanness that we show to one another. God, won't you do something is a question that we would ask to look for help outside of ourselves for the biggest problems that we face. If you don't ask that question, you might not be looking at the world with sober eyes. You might be covering up the realities of the hurts and the pains in your own life or in this world by other things just to try to mask it. But if you're asking that question, you are looking at the world and at maybe your own life situation with some sobriety, and that's a good thing. God, won't you do something? And usually when we say that, we're asking for him to do something big, and sometimes the question would be, you know, won't you just get rid of the virus, or won't you just put an end to war, or won't you bring peace on earth, or won't you stop all the tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes, won't you do something big? back to the angels. Why angels? Angels are messengers. That's what the word means, angelos. It means messenger. It means somebody who is sent to bring some sort of message. Angels pretty much everywhere in the Bible are doing the bidding of God. They're not Free agents looking for somebody who will uh, give them the highest bid, and they'll go out and do that. They are always at the service of God. Everywhere you see them in the Bible, they are doing what God has told them to do. They surround the throne of God, and they are sent out by Him. You can see this in the text that we're thinking about. In verse 10, it says, I bring you good news. They're messengers. Verse 15, it says, the angels went away from the shepherds into heaven. It went back to where they came from. And in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 19, Gabriel speaks and says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you. Angels do not act under their own initiative. They do the bidding of God, and they're absolutely obedient to the throne of God. So, they have a message from God. And what is the message? As they come and they open up their chorus before the shepherds, they have something to say, and what they have to say is, a Savior has been born. Christ the Lord is here. That's effectively the message. A Savior, somebody who saves. Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord, it's the God of the Old Testament. He's here. He has come. Because this is a message from God, it means that it is an act from God. And so, why angels? I think the reason that they're angels is because it shows there is an answer to our question, God, won't you do something? And the effective answer is, He has. That's why they have come. You want something big from God, you want Him to do something. angels show up and they declare, God is doing something. God has done something. Anytime you ask the question, God, won't you do something? I want you to remember the answer from the angels effectively is, He has. He has done something. But a lot of times, the way that we want the question answered is according to our own standards, our own belief of how the problem should be fixed. We want God to get rid of the mean boss in our life or to fix our broken leg or our broken body, and we want God to do it right away. We want him to write a message in the sky that tells us where to go or draw an arrow on the ground to tell us which path to take. We want him to do those things. But if we ask the question, God, won't you do something, I think we need to be willing to accept the answer that he gives. That's the reason the angels have come. The angels came to effectively declare God has done something, and if you want to see where God has done something, you have to look in the manger The sign to the shepherds, the angel said, was you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. If you want to see where God is doing something, you have to go to Jesus Christ. God is really doing nothing apart from his son in this world. If you are looking to any kind of solution, any kind of problem that you need fixing, you have to go to Jesus Christ. God has done a lot through him. He has done so much. You will not find your needs unmet if you come to Jesus Christ. So the answer to the question why the angels is really because God is pleased to do something. God has done something in Christ. That's why the angels... Second question, why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? Shepherds were a despised class. They were not the ones that you'd go to for deep theological answers. They were not the ones with political prowess. They weren't the ones running for office. They weren't the ones with great inventions selling them on Amazon. They weren't doing those types of things. The shepherds were the lowly. The despised, they were not the priests nor the scholars. They didn't work in the temple. They worked with sheep. This should fascinate us because at the moment of God's greatest revelation of himself in Jesus Christ and in the sending of angels to earth, which is kind of a rare phenomenon, not only sending an angel but sending an angel army to declare the praises of God, the ones to whom God sends those angels are shepherds, the nobodies, the outsiders, the humble, not to the social elite, to the wealthy, to the movers and shakers, but to the shepherds. The presence of the angels indicates that God has done something. The presence of the shepherds indicates that God has done something for the lowly, for the humble. We're kind of the nobodies. When the angel speaks to the shepherds, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It's a message for the shepherds. They were picked out not because they're political leaders, but because they were not political leaders. They were humble shepherds. And if you think for a moment who... Christ calls to follow him as disciples. Christ called the fishermen, the tax collectors. When he called Paul, he called a persecutor and blasphemer. This is really good news. We might be tempted to think that God is willing to do something, that God was willing to do something big, but we might not think God is willing to do something for me. Because I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing, I'm not one of the elite. I don't have a lot, I don't have a lot to offer, I don't have a lot of brain power or prowess in this world, and you might just think, maybe God would overlook me because I'm a nobody. Why the shepherds? I think it's to show that that's the kind of person God is looking to give his message to. It's when you think that you're a somebody, when you have it all together, that's when you don't need God's message. But if you will simply humble your heart Recognize that God stands ready to save those who are humble. You might find that God is ready to do something for you. The shepherds are the answer to the question, who has God done something for? And the answer is you. If you're willing to accept it, God has done something. God has done something for me. I think that's part of the Christmas story. Again, I don't want you to leave thinking that God is doing anything apart from His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the central point of the whole Christmas story. Christ has come. Christ is born. It's Jesus who came. If you're looking For God, if you're looking for God's help and you're not looking for His help through Jesus Christ, then you're looking in the wrong spot. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners. The main place that you want to look for Jesus is not in a manger now. You know that He's not there. He grew up. As a man, he followed God's will completely, And God's will was for him to go to the cross. And so if you want to look for where God is doing something for you, you need to look to the cross. It's where Jesus' mission was culminated. He suffered, bled, and died upon the cross to forgive us of our sins. Because in our hearts, we are rebellious, we are sinful, and we want nothing to do with God. So God, to rescue us from that, sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross to bear the penalty for our rebellion against Him. We want God to heal our bodies. We want God to take away our economic stress. But when God starts touching at our sin, that's when we get sensitive. No, God, I don't want you to deal with that. You can give me... Truckload of money, good friends, a good job, but don't mess with what I love. Dear friends, the place that God is at work for you is precisely where you don't want him to work, in your heart. Jesus Christ came to deal with your sin. He died the death that you deserve. Your sin is serious. We deserve to be condemned and sentenced to separation from God for what we have done. But God, out of love for you, sent his son to bear that punishment. So don't go looking for God to heal you, to fix your income, without looking to what he did through Christ at the cross. And I invite you to Christ. Come to him. Receive the forgiveness of sins that Christ offers at the cross. Humble your heart, bend your knee, confess your sins, and receive Christ, the Lord. He has come for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you would have such mercy on us, that you would give your only Son. Lord, we... um, each of us have resisted your goodness expressed to us through Christ who came to save us from our sin. Lord, I pray that tonight uh, we would be reminded of what Christ did at the cross and not stubborn, but humble before him, confessing our sins, confessing Christ as Lord and trusting that you gave him for us. Father, when we ask that you would do something for us to help us Pray that we would remember that you have done something for us in Christ. And we would not minimize that, but embrace it. We thank you for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we get to sing one more uh, wonderful carol, uh, Silent Night, and we're going to uh, light your candles now. And so if you just um, stay where you are, and you guys are clever enough to figure this out, but... If you have a lit candle, just keep that one straight up and then the person who's getting the other one lit, bend it over to get it so wax doesn't spill. that Thank you so much for being here tonight. We wish you a very merry Christmas. Um, you're all invited to stay around. We do have some refreshments down the hall, and uh, and also, kids, want to let you know. Um, the, again, the little kids. Uh, just in this classroom right here, if you'd like to pick up a little gift, we've got something for you uh, that you can choose from right after we're done. I invite you to gently blow out your candles and uh, we'll have a basket up here as you're dismissed. Lord bless you. Merry Christmas.